With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. I think we're calling the untitled Over the Monster Red Sox podcast. I guess we still don't have a name. I thought I was going to come up with a name right there. I did not. Um, I think that's going to be the bit, is that we're just going to call it something different every week. Probably not great for SEO, but we're going to roll with it. But uh, anyways, it is me, Matt Collins, back for another week with Jake Devereaux. Uh, Jake, how are we doing after a awful awful weekend in the Bronx ah man um you know the Sunday night game I had a lot of hope I was talking to Keaton about this yesterday on the Red Seat podcast and uh that was a particularly tough loss because there were a lot of really good things that happened in that game that got me pumped up the two bogey home runs um the crack of the bat when Devers hit that one out was pretty glorious um the defensive plays that were kind of Devers playing out of his dome and what we want to see from him all the time. Um, so to end that with another loss was pretty soul-crushing. And also, Matt Faskersian, like, chill oh, the fuck out. God, yeah. 
<laughs> oh yes. my god. That was, like, the first to Aaron Judge home run was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard. And I'm not somebody, I seem to be in the minority, like, with Red Sox fans. I don't think, like, there's some huge Yankee bias conspiracy at ESPN or anything like that. But that home run call was just out of control. Did you hear him yell Santa Maria? What does that even mean? I, I have no idea what was going on. He just totally, totally lost his mind, and it was just <laughs> so ridiculous. It's like he was naming Christopher Columbus's <laughs> yeah, ships. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the significance of that at all. Maybe, I, maybe there is some significance that I'm missing, but yeah, I no idea. And then uh, A-Rod calling uh, Urshela the best defensive third baseman in the American Ugh. League when Matt Chapman yeah. exists was insane. <laughs> like, that whole broadcast was out of control. Well, that was like John Heyman on Twitter calling uh, some Clayton Kershaw the best pitcher since Sandy Koufax, like what? Pedro Martinez didn't exist, or Randy Johnson, or Roger Clemens, or you know any of the pitchers that be are fair, better than Sandy Koufax. Dennis Eckersley did call uh, Christian Vasquez the best catcher in baseball not too long ago, so it's not like the Red well, Sox I mean, announcers are immune to these things either. But let's be honest, that's pretty accurate these days. <laughs> I, would, I would like to say that's true, but it's not. <laughs> well, Keaton and I did do an exercise, and we figured out that he is squarely a top five catcher in the league. Right yeah, now. I would agree with that. I think there's three that I would definitely take above him, and then after that, there's kind of a group where you could put him in. Yeah. Put him as high as fourth, I think. He's definitely ahead of Gary Sanchez, I'll tell you that. Right now, for sure. Yeah. It, well, Gary has to play both sides of the ball, so, you know, that's not never going to help his situation. Yeah, well, this isn't the Gary Sanchez. I have some thoughts on Gary Sanchez, but we'll save it for the Gary Sanchez pod. Um, okay. But I guess, and I, I know you guys talked a lot about the lineup and stuff like that, so I didn't want to re-go over all of that. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the bullpen today. Uh, Red Sox bullpen, I thought had been worse than it is. Um, it's been, if you look at like the park-adjusted stats, it's actually been kind of close to the middle of the pack. They're 12th in both ERA minus and FIP minus, so obviously not where you want to be, um, but also I thought they would have been worse, um, but they definitely had some good performances, some bad performances. Obviously the Matt Barnes last we saw of them, bottom of the eighth, uh, that was just about as bad as it gets, but um, good news is Josh Taylor and Darwinson Hernandez are making their way back. They obviously missed the start of the year after testing positive for uh, COVID-19, so they are working down in Pawtucket. It seems like they should both be back relatively soon. I think Taylor, I don't, like, I don't think they've said anything, but the, it sounds like he could be back this weekend, um, and I don't know that Hernandez would be that far behind. Um, so I guess how big of an impact are you expecting from them right away? Do you think they're going to be kind of eased into it, or I mean, coming into the year before they had their issues, um, they were kind of both seen as two of the top four or five arms in the bullpen. Do you think they're going to take that role right away, or do you gonna do you think they're going to ease into it? I think they're going to take that role pretty much right off the bat. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we continue to see a reliance on Heath Hembree and Phillips Valdez and, and Matt Barnes and some of those guys. Colton Brewer also got a lot of innings already. Um, but just the impact of having Darwin's and Hernandez come in uh, and, and Josh Taylor to take the spots. I assume they will kick uh, Jeffrey Springs and Matt Hall off the roster. Thank God. Um, hopefully those two guys get out of there because they've been God awful. 
Um, but just having those two as the addition, all of a sudden you're talking about the worst members of your bullpen being, you know, Osich or Bryce or Brazier, uh, and that's a lot better than, you know, uh, what they're dealing with now in, in a few guys with, with Springs and Hall that, you know, and Bryce too, I guess, that just don't look like they even belong in the big leagues. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think the biggest weakness, I mean, obviously some guys have been bad from both um, handedness, but just looking at this roster on paper, the bullpen, they don't really have any lefties right now that you feel good about. I mean, Osage can be okay, but he's not really somebody that you feel great about. Um, and so having both of these guys come from the left side and they both can be dynamic, kind of game-changing relievers I think is huge um who I guess who are you more excited to see or who you think is going to help the team more maybe I should ask uh I think Taylor is going to help the uh team more um I'm more excited to watch Darwin's and Hernandez yeah that's um, why I changed just because his stuff is electric but uh Taylor is the guy who was clearly the more impressive of the two pitchers last year um and was one of the biggest surprises and we talked about him a lot last year, and um, I'm just kind of looking for him to continue that. And it didn't seem fluky to me either. There was nothing weird about what he did, so I expect him to come in and kind of be that same guy again. Yeah, he was. I don't think, I don't think people understand how good he was last season because so much of his time came later in the year. Um, he didn't start the season with the team, obviously, in the majors, so he came up later, and then. He kind of had to fight his way into the later innings, and once he kind of grabbed hold of that role, the season was kind of over. People had already kind of checked out of the season, which was totally understandable the way that year went. But I think a lot of people missed just how good he was. And you're right, nothing was really fluky. There wasn't like there wasn't one portion of his game where he just totally dominated, and you're like, there's no way he's going to do that again. He was just like pretty solidly above average at everything. And so that makes me feel very, very good. And, I mean, even just watching him, that slider, as long as he's still got that slider, um, I can't imagine he's going to take that big of a step back. So, yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't be totally, totally surprised if he ends up as the number two in this bullpen next to Workman by the time this is all said and done. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, and, and the thing that I really love about his addition is that he can face both righties and lefties. Oh, for sure. Uh, as a lefty and um, he brings a different look because this bullpen has a lot of guys who throw kind of soft a lot of breaking stuff a lot of curve balls and him coming in with a power fastball and a slider um, kind of giving you a left-handed version of what Heath Henry can do except even better More than what Heath Henry yeah. can do yeah um, that is just a weapon that Ron Renicky really needs right now um, and something that's going to keep hitters off balance a little bit more because there's just so many soft tossers in the rotation and in that bullpen right now. So it's it's kind of nice to have that change up there. Yeah, for sure. Hernandez kind of fits that profile too. Just a little yeah. more erratic, but definitely has the kind of power stuff rather than the curveball fastball, which to be fair, I love. I like watching a curveball more than a slider personally, but yeah, as far as how it fits with this roster, they're definitely kind of missing that guy. Um, Too many yak men, as <laughs> as, as Yaz would or as uh, Eck, Eck would say. Yeah, that's yeah. a yeah, that's a workout <laughs> nickname for him. Um, <laughs> so who 
when these guys do get back, whose role do you think is going to be altered the most, if anybody? Well, I mean, they got to stop going to brace like every every time they go to the bullpen. Um, the reliance on him has been kind of extreme, uh, so I think that his role should change. Uh, he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved off the roster as well in favor of somebody who's who they haven't really seen in the player pool. Um, I also have kind of seen enough of Brazier in important situations. Um, not that he's pitched in a ton of those, but when he has pitched, he hasn't really looked very good. Um, I'm kind of ready to pull the plug on the Brazier experiment here. He hasn't looked consistent since really the first year that he came up and looked great. I think that was, what, 2018? Yeah. Because um, he had a rough 2019. Um, but I don't think the other usage patterns are going to change that much. I think we're going to continue to see a lot of Barnes, a lot of Hembry, a lot of Valdez, and Colton Brewer uh, seems to be kind of a favorite. But it does seem like we we had talked about this before the season, that Marcus Walden is one of the best options that they have in this bullpen. We both agreed on that. But so far, they have been using him basically only in a multi-inning relief role. And I am kind of thinking that he's going to be kind of replacing Springs and Hall in that long relief role for this team. I hope not. Um, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I that's not really what I want to see from him. I like him sort of as the fireman. I like him coming in. If you get guys on base and you need ground ball, some sort of weak contact, that's where I would prefer him, but yeah, it seems it does seem like they need him, or they prefer him in those multi multi inning roles. He has he's pitched three times; two of them have been two innings. Um, one of them was one inning. He faced five batters. I think I don't have his pitch count in front of me, but I think he threw a lot of pitches in that Mets outing. So I think they probably would have pitched him for a second inning. Um, but yeah, so that makes sense. I think I think you're right about Bryce and Brazier which kind of bums me out because I was Bryce was the guy that I was most excited about as far as those like the million additions that um, Bloom made before the season off waivers and all that. He was the one I was most excited about, but yeah, he's just given up a ton of hard contact. Um, Brazier has only pitched twice, so I don't really want to totally pull the plug on him, but yeah, he definitely hasn't impressed me. I think Hembry... If they continue to use an opener, or if they even just start using a traditional opener, I think Hembry should move to that role once these guys get there, and you don't really need that other right-handed, late-inning arm. Um, because Hembry is just so... so As, as platoon-reliant as it gets for right-handed relievers in this bullpen, I mean, he's just mm-hmm. not good against lefties. He's very good against righties. So if you're using an opener and you have a lineup like the Yankees or another lineup where it's four of the top five batters or whatever are righties, um, I would love to see Henry just get the ball for the first inning or inning in two-thirds or whatever. Um, I don't know if they're actually going to do that, but I would hope they at least consider it. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and I would like to see that. I just don't know, based on Renicky's usage patterns right now, if that's something they'd consider. The other guy who I just want to mention for that role is I think that Phillips Valdez's um, combination of 
fastball and uh, changeup would be interesting in that role as well. And I think he, because they have been doing the bullpen game thing, I think he could go multi innings as well. Oh, he definitely could. I mean, he's been a starter for um, chunks of his career, and he's been the last few years. He's kind of been a swingman down in the minors. So yeah, I could definitely see him doing that as well. Um, I guess I. What are your thoughts on him, by the way? I haven't really gotten your impression about Phillips Valdez. I've been impressed. I'm kind of trying to see a little bit more before I kind of go all in on it. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's been nothing to complain about for sure. He's been extremely impressive every time he's pitched um i don't really understand because he's like the skinniest person i've seen since casey fossum but he's he gets it done <laughs> yeah i i was just telling uh keaton this on the podcast but one of his relatives like tweeted at me when i said that he should eat more food that he like consistently tries to gain weight oh that doesn't surprise me i think that's the case yeah. for most um i mean we've seen some skinny skinny players and that's kind of the common things that they are desperately trying to put on more mass some people just can't <laughs> yeah i nice. wish i had that issue. yeah it must be nice <laughs> that, is, that does not describe me but there are no. people for whom that is true yeah um, wonderful so i want to go back to darwin's hernandez for a second um they've been talking basically since last year ended that they aren't shutting the door on making him a starter. They've mentioned recently that they might try and stretch him out to get him back into the rotation uh, by the end of this year. Um, what do you think about that? You for it, against it? I'm completely against it. Um, I, I We've seen a lot of Darwins and Hernandez in the minor leagues as a starter. It wasn't horrible, but he just doesn't seem to have the command for it. Um, I think it's going to be a project if they do it. There's no guarantee that it works. Um, and then that's time that's taken away from him developing as a reliever. And there's, like, I think people take for granted sometimes that a guy can just switch a role and flip a switch and, and be effective. But there's a mentality switch to going from being a starter to being in the bullpen. You know, you have to do a lot more of controlling base runners and coming in in different situations um, and, you know, throwing all out with your stuff for, for, you know, a couple innings at a time or, or less. Um, so to me, I, I think those reps would be much more beneficial to him refining his skills as a reliever rather than this experiment uh, with him being a starter, which ultimately I, I have trouble uh, believing that it's going to work out in the long run. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you were going to go the other way on that so we wouldn't agree, but um, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't see him sticking as a starter that control just isn't there for him to pitch more than two innings at a time and i think he does have that kind of dynamic stuff that can be extremely valuable out of the bullpen as in like closer as in i don't want to say he's going to be this but it's not out of the realm of possibility that this guy's like a top 10 to 15 type reliever in baseball but like you said, it's not so easy as just throwing him out there and then making it and just assuming it's going to happen. There's work that goes into that, and I think that's especially true for somebody like him who um, has the big stuff but doesn't have the control. And there's a different... I mean, you alluded to this. You throw differently in the bullpen. You're throwing more all out, and that takes... I mean, that's harder on the control, and you can afford to have a few more walks in the bullpen, but he still needs to figure out how to make his control get to an acceptable level while he's going all out with that fastball slider. So 
I want all of his development energy to be directed towards him being that lean in guy. I don't even want him as an opener. Um, I think that could make sense in certain matchups, but I think just looking at him long term, I want every, I want him getting every type of mid game um, experience. So I want him coming in with runners on base. I want him coming in in the middle of innings. I want him starting innings. I want him facing all righties. I want him facing all lefties. I just want to get him used to every kind of relief role because I think he has the potential to be special there. He just hasn't gotten it yet. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. So we're completely on the same page with him, and I agree that the potential there is for, you know, a top, I don't know, I want to say even like an Andrew Miller light. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to put a number on Just like an elite reliever in this league. Yeah. Whatever you want to define that as. In, in an elite multi-inning guy, I, he strikes me as an elite fireman type guy uh, yeah, in his future. I don't think, I, I wouldn't say he's as good, he will be as good as Josh Hader, because Josh Hader has arguably been like the best relief, best reliever in baseball, but like that kind of role where you can be a dominant late-inning guy who also records more than three outs at a time. Yeah. Um, so I guess last thing on the bullpen before we move on, um, who have you been most impressed by and who have you been most disappointed by? Um, in the bullpen, I would say I've been most, well, impressed with, okay, this is going to be a weird one, I think. I've been really impressed by Workman's, uh, ability to stay with his stuff. Um, he had two really rocky closing situations where he didn't have his command. He threw too many curveballs. And I talked about this on the red seat yesterday, but I've been most impressed by his ability to stick with his game plan and just also kind of his mentality that, you know, he's going to continue to throw curveballs in basically any count, um, even if his fastball command isn't quite there. And his ability to mix up that cutter has been incredible incredibly impressive to me and just the fact that he stuck with it um, that's what the best closers do you know they don't always get the cleanest of innings but they got out those closing situations um, and I think he's been able to do that uh, on the flip side I've been like very impressed with uh, Hembry and, and Valdez as kind of surprises who I wasn't expecting too much from what about disappointed disappointed um Definitely Bryce. I'm like with you. I, I was uh, he was the guy I was most excited about of the new additions, uh, and I just don't see it with him. I, I don't think his stuff is very good, and he's got a weird arm slot that I think it looks like batters can pick it up pretty well. Uh, at first, I thought there was going to be some more deception to it, but it does. It seems like people are seeing the ball very well out of his hands. So I think that is. Uh, definitely the most disappointing guy to me i wasn't expecting anything from holland springs so uh, it sounds like holland oats but uh, <laughs> like talking about a band. even worse than uh, oats. way worse than holland oats um so yeah that's that's basically where i'm at with those guys i saw one half of holland oats in concert i forget which half it was it was pretty good they opened nice, for the yeah. david brothers it's uh it's it's nice easy listening it was it was in a park it was a nice day um, so I guess I would go I'll start most disappointing um, I'm surprised you didn't say him Matt Barnes has been garbage um, he's 
ter- I wanted you to. I yeah, wanted to give you. I that. I love Matt Barnes. I have not given up on Matt Barnes. Um, I think the stuff is still there. Some people have pointed to velocity being down. It's really not down that much. Um, it's not like James Paxton where it's down four miles an hour, and I'm concerned that he's hurt. It's down like a mile an hour on the fastball. I don't think that's his issue. I mean, I wrote about it a little bit on Tuesday. Um, he's throwing everything to uh, the arm side, to the right side, or inside part of the plate to righties, and it's just t- everybody is just focusing on one half of the zone, and he's just getting destroyed. Um, he's not getting the swings below the zone there that you want to see. He needs to get swings below the zone with that curveball. If he's not, he's useless. So, um, to- like I said, I'm totally not giving up. I think. I mean, he's been too good for the last few years for me to give up on him now, but he has been awful through four innings. There's really no way to sugarcoat anything he's done, and that pitch to Aaron Judge for that home run was one of the worst pitches I have ever seen in my life. Um, you fall behind 2-0 to Aaron Judge the way he's swinging right now, you just walk him. <laughs> you do not yeah. throw him a strike, and then he drops. Obviously, he wasn't trying to throw it there. He drops a curveball right into the wheelhouse. That was I made a pretty disgusting noise. As soon as that pitch, like, before he, like, as soon as he started swinging at that pitch, it was like, oh, this is the worst. Um, So that sucked. As far as um, encouraged by or surprised by or whatever, I don't remember the word that I used, but um, I guess I would go Hembry. I've been pretty hard on Hembry since late last season and through the offseason and into this restart kind of portion through camp. I didn't think he should make the roster. I thought he would, but I thought that would be a mistake. But, um, yeah, he's been good. There's really, it's really hard to complain about too much of what he's done. Um, I will say that there is a portion, basically every season, where I get sucked into Heath Hembry, and I've told myself this year I'm not going to do it, but uh, I'm kind of starting to get sucked in again, so um, I'm assuming as soon as I go all in he'll allow like four home runs and two outings or something like that. But so far he's been very, very good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to get back to Barnes though, in the fastball velocity for a second. So when I was talking to Keaton about this on the podcast, um, one of the things I mentioned is like right now is pretty much the equivalent of April for, for pitchers, you know, they're kind of starting again. I wouldn't even compare it to April. Like this is like nothing we've seen. Sure, but even if we do compare it to April, um, just for the sake of like starting up from scratch again for these guys, because they all had very wildly different programs. Like Max Scherzer was throwing to live batters, but some guys didn't even pick up a ball. Yeah. But uh, Matt Barnes, over the course of his career, um, before this, he's had one, two, three for five of his six professional seasons before this year, he's, his fastball velocity on his four-seamer uh, has been 95 miles an hour, just like it is right now on average uh, during the month of April. So it's not uncommon for him to start there and work up to 96, 97 as the months go on. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm not worried about him at all from a fastball standpoint. I'm more worried about the fact that he doesn't trust his fastball. He doesn't seem to have great fastball command right now, and he's way over really reliant on the curveball. Yeah, definitely. He's he definitely doesn't feel the fastball. And as much as he's a curve, his curveball is his best pitch. That's his bread and butter. But if he's not feeling the fastball, then yeah, things things can get dicey very quickly. I thought he had. 
pretty much the perfect mix um, last year. It needs to be pretty much 50-50 between these two, and right now it's closer to 60-40. Um, yeah, and Workman's mix is pretty pretty slanted as well. Workman, I love I love everything about the way Workman pitches. Don't, He's great. Don't change a thing, Brandon Workman. Um, the the cutter usage, the the random cutter that yeah. he throws in there every once in a while, throw people off is like one of my favorite things. Yeah, that's a nice that's a nice touch. Matt Barnes has that. I wish he would. I wish his splitter was a little bit better so he could throw that um, a little bit more often. Um, oh man, splitters love love the pitch. Splitters are great. A little bit of semi breaking news um, on Twitter right now. Uh, nothing really to say about this. We don't really have a ton of information, but Carlos Fables, uh Red Sox third base coach, had an inconclusive COVID test in New York. So he is hmm. not with the team. Obviously, that is something to watch. Um, hopefully, he is okay. Hopefully, this is not obviously something that spreads. Um, but right now, it doesn't seem like that is the case. But that is, that just came on Twitter um, as we were talking. So figured I would throw that out there. Um, other news Thursday is supposed to as of now be the deadline for teams to cut their rosters down from 30 to 28 uh, there's a chance that's going to get changed uh, the league and the players are negotiating to keep it at 30 for the foreseeable future seems most likely to me that that's what's going to happen it would seem weird that they were going that they're going to implement 7 inning double headers to protect pitchers but be unwilling to just keep two extra players on the roster. So I'm assuming they're going to keep it at 30, but as of now, they do have to cut the rosters to 28 at 30. So if that is the case, who are the two that you think would get cut? Well, if we're kind of assuming that they want to keep the a consistent number of bullpen arms, so if we're assuming like Holland Springs get sent down for the activation of Darwinson and Taylor, I would expect it to be maybe Brazier and Sue Waylin being waived. Interesting. Yeah, and the reason why I say Sue Waylin is because they have other options in the minor leagues who can come in and kind of fill that type of role. His outfield flexibility is less important now that they have Kevin Pillar there. Um, and Peraza. And in Peraza, and also they want to keep Jonathan Areos on the roster um, because they don't want to return him because uh, Rule 5 selection. Um, and then the other piece is like there's a good chance that he won't even get claimed. Um, he may get claimed, but I think they'd be kind of okay with that if it happened. Yeah. And I don't see them wanting to, to take more than one uh, arm out of the bullpen because – their starters are so bad. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would be Brazier. Um, I think it would be, yeah, so we say Springs and Hall for um, Hernandez and Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Osich would be the other guy. Um, he has an option. And they get these two lefties and also Hernandez can kind of be the long arm to counter losing Hall um so I mean I think it would be between Osich Brazier maybe Bryce um those kind of seem like the three most obvious 
maybe Chris Mazza too could be in that mix. Although I think they would want to keep one of Mazza and Hall just as um, sort of a long guy, especially since they don't have a fifth starter right now. Um, but I think it would be Osage just because with those two lefties, I don't know how much you need Osage right now. And I think for better or for worse, I think they do like Ryan Brazier. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hmm. Yeah, to me, it's just not very close between Osich and Brazier right now. Like you said, though, we've only seen him twice, so we have to give him some more time. Um, I've just been encouraged at how they wanted to use Osich, you know, kind of having him at the beginning of the game uh, as part of that kind of opener strategy. I remember they were talking about that. Yeah, Um, they butchered the part after him in that game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, but he's actually looked okay to me. So, But I could see any of those three guys, like you said, going down. Yeah, And like I said, I don't think me. this is going to – I am assuming they're going to keep it at 30 anyways. It would be bizarre to me um, Yeah, if they didn't. Um, so before we get into questions, I want to do a little quick segment on prospects that are down in the alternate site, um, which, by the way – they got to come up with a better name than alternate site. It just sounds horrible, like X-Files type language. Um, but So Bobby Dalbeck is not at the alternate site. He is with the team in Tampa. He is part of the three-man taxi squad. Um, mm. So you got to think Michael Chavis is starting to look over his shoulder a little bit, right? Yeah, that's uh, we, we talked about the fact that I, we think he's got one more week of rope. And if he continues not to hit for a week, I think it's Dalbeck time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, he has been, I mean, obviously one of, he's not the only guy not hitting, but he has been the worst of Red Sox hitters who have gotten any sort of regular playing time. He's just a little bit worse than Alex Verdugo, who I believe is second worst um, by WRC yeah, Peraza's up there. Peraza and Benintendi and Javis, they're all kind of in that group. But all of those other guys seem safe. Um, and especially since you have at least one of Lynn and Arouse and probably two, um, because the Peraza question is part of this too, since Michael Chavis can also play second. But you get those guys if you really need somebody to get in at second base. So, yeah, I would say a week probably sounds right. They play the Rays again um, starting next Monday. So if... Chavis has a few bad games here this week, um, which, by the way, just as a quick aside, how do the Red Sox have two days off in one week? You get six days off all season, and a third of them are coming in one week. It makes no sense. Well, we, as we know, the uh, way that the schedule has been handled by the league is brilliant. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just so bizarre. It's just par for the course. Yeah. 
Um, all right, yeah, so we agree on Chavis. So then uh, I want to talk a little bit about there are three pitching prospects or pitching minor league guys. Prospect might be a bit strong for one of these guys, um, but guys that I think could potentially be up this year. Uh, Tanner Elk, Brian Mata, Kyle Hart. Uh, what order do you think we'll see them in? I knew you were throwing shade at Kyle Hart there with that not quite a prospect comment. He's not. I love Kyle Hart, there. but he's not. Uh, he's not a prospect. <laughs> he's just not considered a prospect. No, I mean he's twenty-seven, no. almost twenty-eight. I but, think he's good. Uh, I I am excited I like about him, but yeah, he's not a prospect. Prospect, I think it's. I've been trying to be better about using the word prospect and subbing in minor leaguer more often mm. because prospect is a thing that yeah we we use that too willy nilly. Yeah. Uh, So out of that group, I actually think Kyle Hart is the most likely to get called up to make a start. Um, After him, I'd go Tanner Houck. That wasn't Um, the question. Oh. Just in general. Who comes up in general? Not just to make a start. I think still Kyle Hart. Okay. It's either either Hart or Houck, but I think that Hart is more interesting because he can start. Hauk can start, but I don't know that he is as much of a finished product right now. I would rather see Hart because I think that he could give you what you wanted out of Ryan Weber and didn't get. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would probably have the same order. I actually think Hart could be up relatively soon. Um, I think it's weird that we haven't heard anything. Maybe it's just I haven't heard anything about Brian Johnson um, mm. since the season started. It kind of when he wasn't on the opening day roster, the word pretty much was, "Oh, well, he'll be up soon." This is kind of just a roster thing. I haven't heard anything about him, but I would assume he would be the next guy to get called up. But after him, I think it goes Kyle Hart. Um, I do think Tanner Hout could be interesting, and they might be interested in him at, with something similar to what we've seen from, like, a Matt Hall, Chris Mazza, um, two or three innings at a time, obviously, hopefully with better results uh, with respect to Hall. But because um, he definitely has his issues, he cannot really face lefties right now, and I don't know that they want to throw him up there in any role if he can't do that. But I think that's where we would most likely see him. And then Mata, I don't think we see Mata until maybe there's, like, two weeks left in the season. Maybe we'll see him in the bullpen. I don't think he'll make a start. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you about all those guys. I also don't think we're going to see any Jake Groom. No. Um, the only name that you didn't mention that I'll throw in there that I think we could see potentially is Mike Schwarren. Um, yeah, he's but, he doesn't even register as a Kyle Hart to me. No, no. I think he's definitely less interesting. I mean, I think we'll see Steven Gonzalez too, for whatever that's like. I think there's a non-zero chance that, like, um, Heim Bloom has already made up his opinions about all of these guys, you know, or at least not all of them. Maybe not like Hauk and uh, Hart and some of the ones that we haven't seen, but like a lot of the kind of orgy guys that they have that are not really. Well, I don't think they really have many of those anymore. I think Schwarren's really it. Yeah, well, like Schwarren, uh, Gonzalez, uh, Johnson. Like, I, I think Johnson is, is just definitely an org guy. 
Right, yeah, I, I think that he, he's one they might want to look at a little bit more, but like I don't think that Bloom wants to see Johnson again. He saw him when he was with that Tampa could, Bay. I mean, that could be the case, for sure. You know, like, he, what, what, is, what, are, what is seeing Johnson going to do for us at this point? I guess the only, We know exactly what he is. The argument for Brian Johnson is um, that Matt Hall has been getting kind of the bulk innings from that fifth rotation spot, and so Brian Johnson isn't Matt Hall, I guess would be the best argument for him. I guess he. Uh, if you my my thing is like, is he even better than Matt Hall? I'm not sure. You know, like. Oh, I don't know either, but I definitely don't want to see Matt Hall again. And if you don't think that <laughs> Kyle Hart, if you want to give Kyle Hart a couple more runs through, in Pawtucket, um, it's really either Brian Johnson or Matt Hall, and I I just I've seen enough of Matt Hall. So my my thing is like I if I was rating these guys these guys that could come up and fill the Matt Hall role in terms of talent. Um, it would not. It would not have Jake or uh, Brian uh, Johnson towards the top of that list. Like I even think Schwarin is more interesting than him. I think uh, Hauk is way more interesting. And also Hauk is like he's twenty four years old now. He's not that young anymore. He was drafted in seventeen. I think it's time to see what Hauk and Hart are at this point. Um, and, and let those guys come up. The other guy I wouldn't be shocked to see is Robinson Lair, who throws wicked hard and is super interesting yeah i'm not not totally sold on layer but he seems to be the guy that's gotten some helium in camp so i guess i'm willing to see it out but i guess with respect to johnson versus Hauk and hart i'm speaking in terms of like the next 10 days to two weeks rather than like rest of season i definitely think at some point we need to see these other guys i just don't know Maybe, I mean, I'd, I wouldn't be upset if they decided that they wanted to give them a couple more um, outings in Pawtucket and a little bit more work with the staff there before they threw them on the mound in, in the majors. Yeah, my, my question is just what's even the point of well, giving them more time? work to do? I mean, he's got to figure out a way to get lefties out. they got to mess around with his pitch mix or his mechanics. I don't know what exactly they're working on, but they got to, I mean, there's there's ongoing work there. I think with all these guys, there's work, though. For sure. But, I mean, that's why you don't rush them. That's why you have Matt Halls and Mike Schwarns and Brian Johnsons. As far as Schwarns versus Johnson, I guess, I mean, flip a coin. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's like, the least what interesting. A, what a, yeah, I really don't even <laughs> want to think about it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, the only guy on, I mean, I'll watch all of them because I watch all the games. Yeah, my brain is uh, working. I'll watch, I mean, I'll watch Mike <laughs> kick them and. Yeah. Domingo Tapia, who's for some reason around the roster. <laughs> but the only two that I'm very interested to see are, are Hart and Hauk. Yeah, for sure. Assuming that um, I'm a little bit interested in Gonsalves. I don't really know why, um, but I, I really liked him before the injuries took over. So I, he used to be a prospect. He's a very good prospect. Yeah. Um, In Minnesota, same system where uh, Maza came from, and Maza's doing okay, so I don't know. Maza came from the. That's... Maza was originally drafted by Minnesota. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't back know in 2011. Chris Maza story. You know, I'm just a big uh, Minnesota system history guy. I guess you're the one. <laughs> All right, let's do some listener questions before we talk too much about Mike Schwarn. Um, so Zach has our first question. He says. 
how do we fix this pitching disaster? Oh, maybe we'll talk about more about Mike Schwartz. Uh, is this a long-term thing? Is Heim going to fix the pitcher development system, or are we just going to have to buy pitching again to be competitive? What percentage of these arms do we see next year or the year after? He says hopefully less than 10%. Yeah. Um, kind of I think walking. this whole year is just going to serve as an audition, as we've kind of talked about on here, but I do think that there will be some found pitching. Um, we've already uncovered a couple interesting guys here in the early going, like the Phillips Valdez's. Obviously, those aren't foundational rotation pieces, but they could be useful bullpen arms going forward that have team control. Um, I am of the opinion, and I'm going to write about this soon. I haven't even told Matt yet, but um, I'm going to write about some trade options for the Red Sox too. Um, and I think that there are a lot of guys on this roster for the Red Sox, even some starters that they should consider uh, trading for pitching because the market for signing free agents, uh, position players is a little bit better in the upcoming years than it is for pitching, in my opinion. Um, so I, I just think it would kind of behoove uh, Bloom to make some trades for pitchers because there's just not enough in the pipeline to rely on simply development. Yeah, and I think that's probably the most interesting question to me with respect to Bloom is sort of the development looking long, long term. Um, I don't know that. I don't, I don't have any reason to think that he's going to fix the development system. I mean, they've churned through different development people. They have the same development people they had. Um, so I guess, I mean, I think the big question with the Red Sox, inability to develop pitching is, has it been poor development or has it been poor um, identifying talent and so I think that's the big question with Bloom and is he going to be able to identify better talent I think there's a good reason to believe so but I don't I mean I obviously can't say with any certainty so I don't really have an answer to that question but I think that's that to me is sort of the overarching defining question of what the Bloom era will ultimately be yeah just to spend like 10 seconds on that I've been thinking about that a lot, whether or not it's been a bigger failure for them in terms of just identifying the talent, making their own draft picks, or from a development standpoint. And I tend to lean slightly more in favor of they've identified the wrong guys because they've actually been able, when they get guys in their system from other places, they've been able to figure out you know, a pitch that works better for them and, and kind of fix guys to make them more effective. Even, I think you could consider Erod when he got here there was some development still ongoing with him oh, he was like kind um, of uh, if I remember correctly he was sort of trending downward yeah they weren't letting him throw his hard change up yeah. um, and that ended up being one of his best pitches so I think it really is a, a talent identifying thing more than development I think it could also be and I don't know this but I think there is some merit to the idea that there upper minors in major league staff is much better than the guys they have in the lower minors. And so when you trade for mm. a guy that's coming into double A AA or triple A, they can do well. But if you're trading for a guy that's in, that would be in Lowell or Greenville or something like that, they may not be as successful. Again, I don't know that that's the case, but that's, that's sort of a theory that I have. Seems like a pretty easy market inefficiency to uh, replace. You know, just pay a couple guys in the low minors a little bit more. Well, I think they've tried that. I just, I don't know. 
There's something yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be something contextual there too that I just am not thinking of. Um, we will move on to Mike Toomey, who asks, uh, "What are the chances the Red Sox move JD Martinez this year?" Um, I'll just add on to that and just say on a scale of one to ten. Um, I would say three. Uh, yeah, I would probably agree. I think I might go a little bit higher, like a four or a five, just because it seems like I still don't really know that the trade market is going to be existent, but I don't know. It just seems like everybody is kind of assuming, like people that would be in the know are kind of assuming that the trade market is going to be regular, so maybe I'm wrong about this. So maybe somebody would pull me up for J.D. Martinez, but I still would probably say it's more likely than not he will be here when the season is over. I will I will just say I will be equally uh, unsurprised if it's a robust trade market or if no one gets traded. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know, there's just, uh, everything sort of adds up between the morality of trading, making people pack bags and move during the pandemic, and then teams probably not taking the season as seriously, especially now that teams are missing just like 10 games at a time like it's no big deal Uh, it just seems like those two things kind of combining makes me think that there's not going to be trades but yeah we've never experienced this maybe maybe some team like the Orioles are off to a hot start maybe they're going to be like maybe I'll go get a few guys to make a run because we aren't going to be able to make a run for a few years anyways I don't know yeah I mean anything's possible I think that's yeah exactly uh, Jason Jocks asks, are you as stoked as me about resetting the luxury tax this year? Uh, Red Sox ownership will eke out a few more points of profit while the greatest homegrown talent of our generation gets paid what he deserves by the Dodgers and we trot out the worst rotation in baseball. And a power move tagging those official team Twitter accounts in the question as well. <laughs> I have no comment yeah, on this. I, I mean, I've said all right said about the luxury tax i think it's not nearly as uh nearly as the penalty isn't nearly as bad as it's made out to be but it is what it is and i really don't want to talk about it anymore i will just say anybody who says the red sox don't spend money is out of their mind they sure do spend money they just stopped at a very strange time yeah uh ryan says what trade package that What's a trade package that you can see offered for guys like Martinez, Vasquez, and Shea? Vasquez? You're not, not trading Vasquez. You're going to trade the MVP. Martinez, Vasquez, and Chavis is a bizarre trio. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, yeah, so for Martinez, I would want like a top 100 guy back. For Vasquez, I'm not trading him because his contract's great and he's very important. Chavis... James isn't going anywhere by himself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even. Like, I have no idea. I don't know how anyone looks at Chavis right now. Like, if if my team, if I wasn't a Red Sox fan and my team was looking to acquire Chavis, I'd be like, all right, uh, maybe some player who's not even part of the player pool, like in the low minors right now, like a J two guy that we signed, maybe like throw him as a flyer. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying for Chavis. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Chavis is getting traded by himself. I don't think Vasquez is getting traded unless they get with just like a stupid trade offer. Um, and Martinez, yeah, I guess a top hundred ish guy. I, I think I would want a little 
more. I guess top 100 is kind of vague. If it's like a guy in the 90 to 100 range, I'd want more on top yeah. of that. Um, but I don't know that he would get all that much right now. Um, but yeah, I think that all sounds about right. I'm just still kind of baffled by that trio of players. I don't know where those <laughs> yeah. guys came from. Well, I think Chavis and Martinez are clear trade candidates. Uh, we've been talking about Chavis being kind of a bad fit. I feel like uh, Chavis isn't a trade candidate in the season. Yeah, I think that's that could be true. Um, Jackson Posey asks, boom, Robert Manfred retires from MLB to start a Beanie Baby investment firm. Alright, I like it. The owners try to hire a lawyer named Jack Devereaux, but due to some comedic hijinks, Jake's get, Jake gets hired instead. What is your first move as commissioner before they realize their mistake? Um, is Am I in charge of the first move, or are you the commissioner? Or no, they hired Robert you by mistake. They tried to hire Jack Devereaux, but they somehow hired you by mistake. So I'm the lawyer, and so no. what's my first move? You're misunderstanding this. Jack yeah. Devereaux, fictional Jack Devereaux, is the lawyer. Okay. But due to comedic hijinks, you somehow got this job instead. The okay. nature of the hijinks were not disclosed here. Okay. So your first move as commissioner. This is all on you. Um, um, man, this is really bad. I don't know. Wow. Almost I, worse I, than Manfred. Yeah, I, I guess uh, my first move is to cancel the season. <laughs> That's actually not bad. <laughs> that is not a bad decision. I'm s- sorry, you know, just probably shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Um, I love baseball, guys. Don't get me wrong, but this is, uh, you know, we've already had like 24 games canceled. Uh, it's a lot. That's a good answer. Uh, I would go with uh, ending blackouts, although that's not all on baseball. But um, ending blackouts is a great idea. Yeah, I, that's the cable companies could do that too, but that's a different discussion. Uh, Boston sports commenter asks, "How do we feel about Mankata butting into a legitimate superstar in Benintendi's regression?" I feel pretty bad about this. Um, I still wouldn't redo it, but I don't feel good about it. I mean, I'd much rather have Mankata than Benintendi. Sure, but in 2018? That was uh, no, Benintendi yeah, I mean, the Benintendi piece. catch was great. He was very good uh, in that season, too. I mean, it wasn't just that catch. Yeah, he was good in that season. Um, I believe 2017 was his 2020 season, right? Uh, yeah, he. I think he was better in 2017, but he was good in 2018. I don't think they won the World Series with I think if you swap Mankata for Benintendi on that roster, they're not nearly as good. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so probably keep it as it is, but no question. Mankata is for sure going blossoming forward. into a superstar, and Benintendi is, you know, really not looking good right now. Been, uh, uh, did you know that he's been better than Alex Verdugo this season at the plate? Fun fact I did. For uh, barely, though. Yeah. Uh, I actually... I kind of hate that stat. Because I don't think he's been better than With my eyes, Verdugo has been a lot better. Well, I don't know about a lot better. They've both been bad. I guess what I would say. Well, Verdugo at least plays good defense. I think that time he plays pretty good defense. He plays average defense. I disagree. 
But we're gonna move on. Who's the better defender? Verduga. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a better defender than Verduga. What does that say? I mean, that doesn't mean anything. It's because one guy's mm. better. I just, I honestly, I think something's up with Benintendi's confidence right now. And I don't know. His approach I, has been very good. He is not swinging at bad pitches. He's not swinging. He's super passive. I believe he's swinging. He's swinging at more pitches in the zone than uh, Verdugo is. I looked this up today. He's completely uh, out of his depth against breaking pitches, though. He's swinging right through everything. I'm not as down on Benintendi as I think a lot of people, other people are. I think I think he's a change of scenery guy. I hope not. Uh, Keaton asks, "One's gotta go: hot dog, beer, helmet nachos, or ice cream?" Helmet nachos. So I'm assuming this is at the game. Yeah. Because if this is just like in a normal scenario, get hot dogs out of here. The only time I'll eat a hot dog is pretty much at a baseball game. Um, I love a hot dog at a baseball game. Yeah. So I'm not getting that. I guess I would go helmet nachos too. Um, if I'm eating, like, what am I doing with that helmet after I finish my nachos and I have a helmet full of cheese in my hands? I mean, you can put it down. You don't have to hold it the whole time. But yeah, so if I put it down and let's just say the guy behind me kicks it and it goes in front of me and I accidentally step in a helmet full of cheese, like, come on. I guess I'm more worried about like I get very messy. So if I don't. I try not to eat messy food out in public. So I would prefer to eat nachos in the comfort of my own home. And ice cream at the game is real good, especially if you're at a Sea Dogs game and you get one of those Sea Dog biscuits. Uh, give me that's the ticket. Give me a uh, chocolate vanilla swirl soft serve. Any place, mm. any place I can get my hands on one of those, it is like a once every other year treat for me. I will just like happen upon a place like i went to storyland a couple of years ago with my nephew and they had <laughs> uh soft serve it's so good it's just the best. you ride the panda flume uh i don't think so i'm not a big I, my he goes on everything. he went on everything with my dad i kind of just walked around nice uh let's see josh asks is this luxury setting resetting debacle and its consequences the most insulting bullshit management has ever tried to pull am i forgetting something more arrogant and dismissive of fans i'm assuming he's talking about this management definitely the worst this yeah i think henry i'm just i'm not here for these types of questions really um so i will defer to you on on all uh dysfunction of the ownership like I've been crystal clear about my stance on the Mookie thing. Like, it sucks, but there were a million things that happened that went wrong in this whole thing, and I think it's very hard to just blame one thing that went wrong. Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk about this. Yeah, uh, it's just... Sam, it takes too long. Yeah, I don't know, I've totally, totally talked about this enough for one lifetime. Uh, Sam Biggs <laughs> asks, what reason does Renneke have to push this team? Uh, everyone in the clubhouse knows he won't be the manager next year. So I'm assuming that means, like, what motivation can he provide, I guess? I I don't know. Like, maybe a career of being uh, someone who's involved in competitive sports and wants to not suck the entire year. Like, 
anybody who's involved in competitive sports doesn't want to lose. Yeah, this is a weird question. Long. Not even that. Like, I think you could even look at it more cynically or more selfishly than that. Um, these guys want to have a career and they want to have a legacy sure. and they want to get paid. And I mean, they all have their own selfish reasons uh, to like try and perform too. So yeah, I mean, these are professional athletes. They, this idea that uh, baseball is a sport where you need this rah, rah kind of manager is just totally off base. It's not that this isn't football. No, you need somebody who is need somebody part to... psychologist, part like, I don't know. He's going to keep everybody coach. comfortable. And yeah. whether or not Ryan he does that, I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, I don't think him not being the manager next year has too much of an effect. Especially, he won a World Series with a bunch of these guys, too. There's respect there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Xander is the leader, and Xander and him have a good relationship. Yeah, so yeah no question, so. Xander. Xander and uh, JD would be the two leaders in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, Clint Combs asks, would this season be any different if Sale and Erod were playing? Because not only has the pitching been terrible, but the offense has been way underperforming. Uh, I'll take that. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> it would be different. <laughs> because I don't know if you've noticed, but Matt Hall and uh, Ryan Weber and uh, Zach Godley are getting some starts for this team. So uh, a significant number of those innings would be going to guys, the two best pitchers in the organization. So yeah, I think I think things would be a little different. Yeah, and in like even diminished sale before he got his Tommy John surgery, he would be the best pitcher. Um, easily, um, even even him as diminished version of a player was more effective than Erod. Like when you dig into advanced metrics and stuff, like his whiff rates and his called strikes and you know just everything that he brings to the table is just super elite, even even in a reduced role, and also. The mental boost that it gives a team when uh, an ace is on the mound, you know, you have that guy out there, it's just a whole different mentality. You know, these guys have to go out there every day and, like, you know, Johnny Bullpen is is standing on the mound. Johnny Holstaff, I believe is his name. Sure, yes, Johnny Holstaff, yes. How, how did I butcher his last name? Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just rough to get up for that, I think, every day, especially when Evaldi's your only real starter. Yeah, I mean, Bogart's talked about that. He talked about how hard it is to kind of look up at the scoreboard and you're down by, like, five runs or eight runs after two innings every day. Um, I mean, yeah, the offense, you have to be better, but at the same time, there's, yeah, there's that mental part of it. So, um, no question the season would be different whether or not they would be like this true contender i think is a different question but it would certainly be different than where they are right now wouldn't be tied with the royals yeah. let's just say that exactly um adam tassom i don't know how to say your last name i'm very sorry adam tassoni tassoni uh when are they planning to call up dalbeck uh we already talked about that a little bit he's up on the taxi squad right now in tampa and uh, we agreed probably roughly a week would be the time to make, if Chavis doesn't turn around, I think that's when mm-hmm. we start to see uh, those kind of whispers. Uh, Paul Smith says, thoughts on Yaz raking in 2020? Is there potential home for him in Boston in the future? I don't know what his team control looks like. I assume that he's got a lot of team control. He just left. came up last he... year. Right, and was he not up at all? before last year like that was his, that was his, his first okay. do you know how old he is yes 28 he is about to turn 30 in wow about in 20 days he 
turns 30. Wow. What Baltimore did to him is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that organization was a nightmare for a while, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a reason they are where... Well, I mean, they're doing pretty well this year, but just generally. Yeah. Um, um, he's been a great story, though. Yeah, fantastic. I don't think he's coming to Boston. I don't know why the Giants would get rid of him. And then by the time uh, the salary would become somewhat of a concern, and if they weren't good, they might look to deal him. We're talking about a 32, 33-year-old. and I mean, maybe you get him for the story, but you're not really giving up a ton. I don't know. I don't see a reunion. I mean, anything's possible, but I don't really see a clear road to it. Yeah. The, the only potential thing I could see is, like, if they decided to trade some pieces to the Giants that were younger that the Giants wanted. Um, the Giants are very clearly in a rebuild, and as good a story as Yaz is at – you know, about to be 30, he's probably not the Red part Sox. of their next rebuild, you know. I don't think the Red Sox are trading out the players at this point. No, but, like, maybe maybe they do something like, I don't know, shopping and, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't see. I, I think we're just going to have to enjoy uh, Mikey Stremski from Andover, uh, my rival high school, although he didn't go to Andover, he went to St. John's. Um, we're going to have to enjoy him from afar. It's probably good that he's not in Boston. The pressure of being the second Yaz in Boston would probably be dumb. Oh, yeah, it would be. I mean, if he, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, there'd definitely be pressure, but I don't know that it would really get, I don't know that he would, like, get a ton of hate if he wasn't good. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm giving people too much credit. Yeah, don't give people credit. That's probably good. That's a good it's a good way to live life. Uh, Jason, with our last question, uh, assuming things stay the same, who is on the block for the trade deadline? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how depressing is it that I'm legit asking that after three series? Um, all right. So on the block for this team this year has to be, in my opinion, any single one of the relievers uh, are fair game. Every single one of the starting pitchers is fair game. And everybody in the lineup that's not named Verdugo, Vasquez, Bogarts, Devers is fair game. That includes Benintendi as being fair game. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on... I mean, I, yeah, Fentendi's not untouchable. I don't know that Verdugo's untouchable either uh, for me, but I would need a ton, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, he has so much control left. Yeah. Um, my, I guess the only three, like, real untouchables for me would be Vasquez, Bogart's Endeavors. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. And everybody in the bullpen, maybe not Darwin's and Hernandez. Um, I guess I'd like to, I'd like to keep him. more out of him before I put him on the block, but he's also not a guy that's like, no way am I trading him. Um, but I guess in terms of, I don't know, like, I mean, it's easy to say everybody, but I don't, I guess like the real guys that I'm actually like actively shopping though would be J.D. Martinez, um, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Brandon Workman. Workman. Yeah. Pains me to say it, but Matt Barnes, if he turns things around and starts getting hot. For sure. 
Um, Avaldi gets hot. Maybe I look into that. Although, I think Avaldi would be a smart trade. Really hurt twenty twenty one. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't want to be. I don't want to put myself in a position where I am in another rebuild year in twenty twenty one. But look at it this way: Eovaldi has made over twenty five starts yeah, twice in his career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, I would pro- I would have to suck it up and do it, but I wouldn't feel good about it. I guess no. But yeah, I mean, I think the big ones would be Martinez, Bradley, and Workman. Would probably be the big three. Yeah. Agreed. And Barnes. And Barnes. Although not as not as big of a deal because you could revisit that in the offseason. Right. Workman and uh, Bradley are free agents. Martinez can opt out. And, uh, although we both, neither of us think he will. Um, it's still a possibility. Barnes is under control. I'll give it a 5 out of 10 on the depressing scale. A 5 out of 10? I'm giving it a 10. Are you kidding me? 16 teams making the playoffs, and we're talking about selling, and it's not a bad question. That sucks. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> 10 on my list is Mookie getting traded. Yeah, I guess 10 might be a little strong. <laughs> it's all relative at this point. I had a bat in my apartment all weekend. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> all right, I think that's going to do it for us in this one. Um, Red Sox have not started the series, but by the time you listen, they will have played the first game in Tampa Bay. Hopefully that's a win. Um, Two against Tampa, three against the Blue Jays this week. But hopefully that goes well, and uh, Jake and Keaton will be back with you on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Shelly and Keaton will be back with you actually tomorrow, I believe. It's a stupid two-game series. Uh, So we'll be in your earballs pretty much throughout the week, every week. So, uh, do that thing, do the subscribing, do the rating, do the reviewing, only if you're doing good reviews. If you don't have anything nice to say, do not say it at all. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account. Jake is at DevJake. Um, did I forget to say something? Check out OverTheMonster.com. I forgot that last week. Yeah, content. This time. Um, anything else? Did I do it? What are you writing these days, Matt? Uh, I wrote about Matt Barnes. On Tuesday, uh, Mike Walsh wrote about the offense and some of the trends to watch there. Um, I am at the point where I am kind of deciding what I'm writing day of, so I don't know what I'm writing (laughs) on Wednesday. We will figure it out on Wednesday. All right. Well, I I just finished my uh, my series, so that is done, and uh, on to new, new items. So if you have some time to read through all those probably take you a little while absolutely all right so i think that's it all right